Welcome to the Beyond Sugar Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Dame, holistic nutrition coach and speaker. Together, we'll be diving into much more than just another conversation around sugar addiction and nutrition. But more importantly, I'll be guiding you through the inner work and spiritual healing that lies at the root of your unhealthy habits with food. Let's dive in. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. I'm your host, Danielle Dame, sugar freedom expert and somatic embodiment coach. And I'm tuning in again another week here on the podcast. And I'm just being blown away by reading some of the reviews that have been coming in here for the show. And I just want to take a minute before we dive into today's episode to say a huge, massive thank you to each and every one of you who have been following along, have been listening, have been sending me messages, and have taken time to record a five-star review here for the show. It helps so much. It helps us really reach more people, help more women, and really get this message out there that I'm sharing here on the show around really deeply healing our relationship with sugar through healing our relationship with ourselves. And I actually want to share one review. This is from a couple months ago that I absolutely love, Nan Jack 50 shares, I have struggled with sugar addiction and depression for years now. And after finding this podcast, I'm learning how to heal and be delivered from emotional eating. I highly recommend it to you. Huge shout out to Nanjack50. Thank you for sharing that with me. The, the feedback you know, about the impact that these episodes and the show is having for you helps fuel me to keep going and bringing you more episodes. And today, I actually want to dive into something that I cannot believe I haven't talked about here on the podcast. There's actually a lot of misconception around, do I eat sugar, right? Or there's a question, maybe not a misconception around, like, does Danny eat sugar? How much sugar does she eat? When does she eat it? How does her relationship with sugar look like? And that's really what I want to answer for you today and share just raw and real today with all of you. I'm actually recording this episode on a holiday Monday here. I'm recording this and then I'm getting out into the garden and I'm going to go and do some meal prep for the week ahead. And, um, I've got my lazy Sunday vibe going on here as I record, <laughs> record this episode. And I really just want to bring that energy of the, the raw, real truth here from me, right? And I really want to caveat this and, and start this episode by a huge reminder and disclaimer that my relationship with sugar, my truth, my body is different than yours. So what works for me may not work for you. And I think this is one of the major problems in this health and nutrition and especially sugar addiction space. We think that one person's way of eating or the way that they meal plan or the diet that they've chosen to follow, whether it's carnivore or paleo, is because it works for them, it's going to work for me. And we tend to really think, and because we've been raised this way, in in this sort of uh, one solution mentality, right? Like what's the one solution that fits all? And the truth is, and we need to, if you haven't already wrapped your head around this, right, is to really acknowledge your uniqueness and the beauty of that. And yes, how frustrating that can be because it would be so much easier if we had one solution that fit all human beings in everything in our life, right? But we don't. We actually have to get in there, trial and error. And that's what I did as, and, and to be honest, Raw honesty here, I'm still figuring it out, you know, with my relationship with sugar. And it's ebbing and flowing as I age, as my body changes, as my lifestyle changes, as different things happen. My relationship continues to evolve and change, and I'm continually learning and failing 
because that's how I learn. That's how you learn as well. So we're going to dive into that today, but as per usual, I also really love sharing little bits and I'm going to be doing that in today's episode. There's been a lot going on personally for me in life and so much growth and also really enjoying the last couple of weeks of summer and resting and working less. And that's felt really, really nice. One thing that I haven't talked a lot about yet, um, and I keep planning to share more on Instagram and Facebook is that we finally adopted our two forever babies. And what you don't know is that we have 99% settled on their names. (laughs) So we have little Kai, who is the boy, and Peaches is the little girl. And they are brother, sister, beautiful, beautiful kitties. And we have just been absolutely loving getting to know them. And a couple weeks ago, one of the things that I did share on social was that I'm actually starting them on a raw food diet. So this is something that feels so deeply in alignment with what I'm preaching here on the podcast, right, is whole real foods. And when we actually look at the diet of felines, it's raw food. It's raw meat, to be specific, and actually whole animal carcasses. So I've been doing a lot of research about the nutritional needs of cats and the raw diet. And I know it's not for everyone, obviously. Um, and it does come with a lot of downfalls around not being able to just leave food out all day. It's, it's definitely extra work, but I've absolutely been loving it. And the learning that I've done around, um, you know, this really actually deeply ties into sugar, right? When we think about you know, uh, human needs for sugar, right? Quote, quote, needs, right? Which can be argued, you know, uh, cats actually don't use sugar as fuel. I learned this. This was really fascinating. They actually use protein. So cats need a very high protein diet. That's actually what they use as their energy fuel source. So really, really fascinating thinking about also what they eat in the wild. So same with humans, like, is it real food, right? Is it something that is traditionally what would sustain a human or a pet? I mean, obviously each animal has a different diet, but when we think of cats, right, they're out there killing other animals, right? Bunnies, birds, mice, right? They're eating the raw animal. And they're eating the whole animal. So it's been really fascinating to learn and and to, just like with my relationship with sugar, I mean, there's so many parallels here. I'm going to be getting into finding that freedom balance, right? Because feeding them raw food all the time is just not going to be convenient, right? And actually this week we were away on vacation and we left the kitties with my mother-in-law and she had dry food out for them and some canned wet food. And that's totally fine. And then we'll, you know, do the, do the raw food when we can, when we're home, right? We're not home every day. So there's a lot of uh, finding that balance, right? Of, and, and it's the same with our relationship with food. You know, it's not about being perfect hundred percent of the time. It's about doing our best to be on track with whole real foods that nourish and feel good in our body, maybe 80% of the time and allowing the other 20 to, to be fluid and flexible. So Really, really cool parallels there as I'm navigating this world. Anybody here who does raw food diets for their pets, please reach out, share your best tips with me. I am a total newbie, um, but I'm really enjoying it so far and and really just feel so good putting a plate of food on the floor for them that I know is so nutritionally dense, has not been processed and added chemicals and all the crap that they put in, you know, in a lot of raw food or, or 
dry food, especially, and even canned food, right? So it just, it just feels so nourishing. It feels like I'm doing right by them as good as I can. And that's not going to be perfect every time. And that's okay. So this really ties into exactly what I want to talk about today is this concept of sugar freedom, right? And I know that this term gets used so much. When I started using the term sugar freedom, I mean, I have it in the podcast name. I have a monthly membership group called the Sugar Freedom Collective. This term was new and fresh and it wasn't being so used. And now everybody's using this word, right? Sugar freedom. And there's many different definitions for it right? A lot, there's, there's, especially in the sugar addiction space. So for me, sugar freedom means getting to a place mentally, emotionally, and physically where you are in the driver's seat with your relationship with food and especially with your cravings with sugar. So there's no need for sugar. It becomes an active loving choice if, and when you are indulging in sugar. So that sense of, I have freedom and sovereignty over what my body needs. And I'm not using food anymore as an escape, as a numbing tool, as a way to get out of feeling, right? Or avoid feeling all the reasons, these deep inner reasons that we talk about here on the podcast, which why most of us are binging on sugar. So this is that, that internal sense of freedom from the control and the shackles that sugar cravings usually has over us. Many of you listening to this know what I'm talking about. You're probably there right now, right? Maybe listening to this podcast for that motivation to help you find that sense of sugar freedom for you. And I I actually want to encourage each and every one of you listening to spend some time today to reflect on what does sugar freedom actually mean to you? Because again, my definition might be different than yours, right? What does it mean to you to actually be free from sugar? And is that to be free from sugar completely, not having it in your diet? Maybe. Or is it to have the freedom to choose and to not be using sugar as a crutch or a tool, but having it as something that you can enjoy in moderation from time to time. And this is the big question. We're not going to dive too deep into this today, right? But is moderation possible, right? That's where this question comes up. That's probably what's on your mind right now as I'm even talking about sugar freedom. And you'll see the, the world in the sugar addiction world and space, you'll hear a lot of experts preaching, absolutely not, right? Abstinence or bust. And I am definitely on the moderation camp. I'm in the moderation camp. And I deeply believe this because I believe humans can heal. I believe in our unlimited potential and our body and brains unlimited potential potential to heal. Now, moderation with addictive substances may take a long time probably will take a long time to heal. So this is where a lot of people think moderation doesn't work for them, right? They think, well, I've tried it for a year and I just keep slipping back. And my huge, 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 what I've seen and wholeheartedly know with every ounce of my being is that when we actually get down and dirty into the root causes of our sugar addiction and start healing from the root, then eventually moderation is possible. So we need to get in there. We need to get repattern our nervous system, learn how to honor our emotions, heal our traumas, and really, really rewire the neural pathways in our brain that no longer need us to binge on sugar in order to feel a certain way. And I know that that's possible because I'm living it. And I've seen hundreds of women that I've worked with living it. So 
this is, I mean, this is a huge debate. I should have somebody on. We should have this debate on the podcast because it is really interesting, right? And ultimately, I want you to know there's no one way. This is what I believe and what works for me. But again, like I said at the beginning of this episode, it might not work for you. And it may not be a right now for you, right? Maybe right now for the next few years, abstinence is your biggest support, right? But perhaps in the future, right, you might be able to come at sugar with control, with, with that intention, right, that is the freedom. That's, we're going to put a pin in that. Um, that's a whole rabbit hole, another episode, moderation versus abstinence. Stay tuned for that episode. But I want to actually just share my eating and my truth around sugar, right? This question of how much sugar do I eat? Well, first of all, does Danny eat sugar? Yes, I eat sugar. <gasps> yes, I eat sugar. Oh my goodness. Crazy, right? I think most of you know that by now because I've talked about this relationship that I've built and healed with food. And really navigating into that is continually changing. Continually changing. I notice my relationship with sugar shift every year. You know, there are some years where I might be eating a little bit more and some when I'm eating a little bit less and I'm starting to try different ways of eating. Um, I used to way back in the day, not eat a lot of meat. Now I know better and I'm eating a lot of meat um, for blood sugar stability and nutrient density. And it just feels so fueling in my body. But how much sugar do I eat? Okay. So currently you actually might be shocked to learn that I eat more sugar than you think. I don't eat a ton of sugar. I do not overdose on sugar. I know when I'm eating sugar, it's very intentional and it is, it is a part of my life and I'm okay with that. I think that's the important piece here. So a couple of things that I want to share sort of more specifics, like how much, what's actually going on, Danny. And it's actually, it's very hard for me to say. I was, I was making some notes about this episode and what exactly I wanted to share and I realized like how drastically it shifts from week to week. So there's not really a consistency, a huge consistency. And, you know, that is the, the ups and downs and the flow of me exercising my sugar freedom rights. So, but I will say one of the things that a lot of people find surprising when I do talk about eating sugar is that I always use real sugar. So I still do on occasion eat white flour and whole wheat flour. And I actually have it organic. It's a local mill near my house that actually uses all organic flours. And I only ever use that if I am baking my sourdough bread and the occasional time when I do bake cookies or scones or things like that. Uh, we actually alternate in our household between some gluten-free flour because my husband doesn't do gluten um, and I try not to. So I definitely don't eat a lot of gluten or definitely don't make it a daily practice. But when I do say bake, because I still do, or when I do eat sugar, I really do have the real sugar. So in my house currently is maple syrup, honey, uh, coconut sugar, and white, white sugar. That's mostly for the hummingbirds. <laughs> Um, but I do use those because, so here's my, my belief with the sugar, right? I do not use alternatives. I do not try to get fancy. I definitely don't use any, um, alternative chemical sweeteners. Um, I believe that the whole, not the, the most original form of white, even white sugar actually gets processed in my body because I'm not overdosing on it. My body knows how to flush it out. A lot of these alternative chemical sweeteners, even stevia that has been heavily processed, is a foreign substance in the body. 
Now, sugar could be argued as a foreign substance in the body as well, but it's actually, we have the pathways to, to metabolize it and to flush it out in small amounts. Okay. In not overdosing amounts. Okay. I'm not talking to those of you here who are, are still in the overdose mode with sugar. Right. But I, I definitely choose to use the real sugar and the high quality super high quality. Actually, I just got gifted some honey from a friend who keeps bees this weekend and it just feels like liquid gold and I'm going to cherish it and it's going to last me a long time because I barely ever use it. But if I do and when I bake, I will use things like that. I will use usually honey or maple syrup or um, or the coconut sugar or white sugar to to bake. And I don't get fancy with it, which is surprising to people. So how much sugar do I actually eat? Okay. So roughly on a regular day around the house, and I actually just had breakfast right now, I will have a slice of my sourdough toast, which is a blend of white flour, rye flour, uh, red fife, ancient grain flour. It's a whole mix of like whole grain flours with a little bit of white flour. And it's, um, homemade by me. This has been a craft that I have been so proud to learn over the last year and a bit. And I absolutely love my homemade sourdough toast. I do not eat store-bought bread unless of course I am out somewhere and don't have access to my sourdough bread. And that is something that I needed. Um, not daily, but a couple times a week, I will also have a glass of my homemade kombucha. I also make kombucha and that definitely has some sugar in it because I make it myself. I get to process it longer. So it definitely has a lower sugar content than anything I would buy in the store. And then in between that is my home cooked meals. So on a regular good solid day or week here at my house, there's no extra added sugar. Those are the places that sugar sneaks in, right? That and obviously the carbohydrates and vegetables. I'm not talking about the whole carbohydrates um, and the, the complex carbohydrates here. So that is a good week. That's like my baseline. That's my 80% and where sugar sort of sneaks in here. And then on top of that, I absolutely do choose to indulge in a few other things. So maybe weekly or bi-weekly even, um, I might bake something. I haven't baked in a long time now. So again, it ebbs and flows. Like one month I won't bake anything and one month I might bake four times. So it really changes, but I do definitely love to bake and my husband loves to, to eat cookies as well. So we'll bake our own. We'll put at a quarter or half the sugar that a recipe would call for in whatever we're baking and uh, we enjoy that. Actually, my neighbor just gifted me a massive zucchini yesterday, and I'm thinking I might later make some like zucchini uh, coconut um, banana bread, right? And um, we'll see if I get around to that. So I definitely do bake occasionally, and I really enjoy that when I do it. It's it's um, it's a really loving endeavor, and something that I choose to do intentionally. On top of that. I love wine. I'm going to say that right here for the record on the podcast. I love wine. And sometimes it has gotten away from me. And sometimes it's definitely a uh, very intentional choice. So this is something that I'm still working on, truth be told. And I definitely, definitely love my wine. I love having a glass of red wine, especially when we have friends over, you know, to, to have a glass with dinner and just enjoy enjoy, enjoy that. And so that's something that, um, definitely is a sugar input for me, um, either weekly or bi-weekly. 
you know, I will let myself indulge in some beautiful wine, especially in the summer. Nothing better than a glass of white wine with chilled white wine in the in the hot sun. That's definitely a favorite of mine and something that, again, uh, ebbs and flows depending on the year and depending on the week and um, is something that I am very aware of is definitely a sugar source in my life. And I, I need to um, continue to to be cautious and be aware with that. So those are some of the sugar sources a lot of people don't realize are definitely in my life. And then, and then there's another layer that you don't even know about. There's the in a pinch vacation mode, go for it, Danny mode, which is definitely where I exercise my sugar freedom. This is the 20%, the 20% of eating crap that I totally let myself enjoy. And again, just coming off of vacation mode right now, I'm very fresh in this, which is why I wanted to record this episode for you, is that when I'm in a pinch, there are times when I am not up on the meal planning in my household, or I haven't gone grocery shopping yet, or I am so tired at the end of the day, I do not want to cook anything, right? Or we're out and about for the day and I forgot to pack lunch, or we're not anywhere where there is like access to healthy lunches that we could get. There's not a lot of very healthy restaurants or especially um, places near where I live. So that makes it hard if we're out for the day um, to sometimes pick things up. So we will have takeout. Uh, We love getting like uh, curry takeouts, Indian takeout. Uh, We may go and get some, there's a gluten-free pizza at the, um, in the freezer section at the store near our house that my husband loves. So sometimes we'll just have a pizza night. Um, we'll eat, uh, once every couple months, I'll definitely indulge in candy, actual straight up candy. Oh my goodness. I bet you didn't think this was coming out of my mouth today. And, and I go for it and I let myself, and I did that on vacation and it was so intentional and delicious. And that is my 20%. And I know my 20%. I know in my body how much is too much. And when enough is enough. And this has taken me, this is the caveat, right? When I'm now practicing my sugar freedom and maybe eating some shit, some absolutely nutritionally devoid food, I know that that's my freedom. And I know that that's the part that is for me, okay. And that is not going to kill me. For me, the stress of obsessing over what to eat, if I'm out for the day and I'm so hungry and I am just racking my brain trying to figure out where I could get something healthy to eat and I'm stressed and exhausted, that to me is more damaging to my mental health and my physical health than just allowing myself to go get a bagel or to go and pick up what I need to get some food in my body so I can make it home. And I'm okay with that. This is really, you know, what this next question, as I'm starting to describe this for you, for me, what sugar freedom actually looks like. And for me, it's vacations, it's camping, it's holidays. And it's also those times when I am in a pinch, right? And I'm doing the best that I can. And it might be on in the airport, right? Or it might be on a road trip. Like we literally just did this yesterday, driving home from our road trip. We were completely out of food that I'd packed for our camping trip. And we're driving on our way home. We stopped, had a very nourishing, healthy uh, breakfast at a good quality cafe. 
And then lunch needed to be at a cafe that didn't have healthy options. I had a pita wrap. It had chicken in it. It was, it had a, it had a wrap, which was sugar, right? And it had some vegetables and chicken in it. And it was delicious. And I enjoyed every bite of it. And that's okay. So I allowed myself that, that gift of not beating myself up over having to make a choice that isn't perfect, right? To let go of that perfectionism for me around food and my relationship with food is so important. And again, this is just for me. I am just sharing for me. This is not a blueprint for you. You have to design your own blueprint with sugar freedom and with what your relationship with sugar looks like. Now I will fully admit right here, right now that I'm feeling a little bit like crap today. I definitely overindulged on this recent camping trip. There was definitely more sweets than I would normally want to eat. I definitely had more wine than I would normally want to have and just indulged in some of these things that were in my face in this family setting that we were in. And I'm okay with that. And I'm actually grateful that my body is giving me the signals today, you know, affecting my sleep a little bit, just feeling a little, a little inflamed, you know, and just noticing that, okay, I'm ready to get back on track. And I can, right? This is the piece that I know how to do for myself now, right? And as I'm in my 20% of indulging and the, the eating the junk and letting myself eat the junk, one of the most important things and one of the most difficult things that I have had to practice is the no guilt, right? The no guilt and the no negative self-talk. So really bringing in, okay, if I'm going to choose to indulge, I'm going to choose to just let myself eat whatever is present at this camping trip, right? Or when I want to and have little bits, not everything. <laughs> I am also going to support myself with that mentally, right? And this is this is a choice. This is something that I get to exercise my power in, my empowerment, right? And supporting myself knowing that I'm eating more than would be optimal, right? So moving my body every day. We, d we even went for a run. Who goes for a run on vacation? That felt really, really great, right? Moved our body. I hydrated a lot and I made sure to eat good meals, right? And, and really, and go to bed early. Actually, we didn't spend any late nights, which I'm so proud of. Got good sleep every night. And these are the things that I know can support my body in maybe taking on a little bit of a toxic load during a vacation mode. So, you know, this is, again, this is mine. This is my journey. And you might be shocked to hear that I do let myself indulge. That 20% is crap food. <laughs> it is crap food. It may be a donut. It may be candy. It may be a pizza, pasta. I do love me some pasta, wine, right? And I, again, am approaching that from a place of empowerment, right? And a place of knowing my body. So many of you, this is a huge disclaimer, might not be at the place where you can do that yet right? For me today is Monday at the time of recording this. I am back on track. Actually last night I chose consciously because I could feel my sugar cravings back on just from feeding that dragon. I could feel the physical cravings coming back a little bit and I put a stop to that. So last night I fasted. I did a, a big intermittent fast. Um, last night, I, I think I stopped eating around three on our road trip home after that lunch I had and ha just ate breakfast this morning around uh, 930. So did a nice fast, 
been hydrating a lot, got some good sleep last night. And right after I'm done this podcast, I'm going to do a ton of meal prep. So I'm going to spend the day in the kitchen and in my garden today, prepping some healthy meals for the next few days, for the week ahead, and just getting right back on my healthy eating train. And that has become effortless for me now. For most, that and, and many of you listening, that might not be where you're at yet. And I want you to really honor that. If you can't quickly get back on it when you get back from a trip or when you have a bad week weekend where you choose to indulge, then it might not be time for you to let yourself indulge yet, right? There might need to be some more abstinence. There might need to be some more inner work that needs to be done in order for you to build that relationship. And for me, that's, that's actually been the trickiest relationship to build with my body is understanding and, and being in integrity with myself when I, when I commit to coming back. And I, I've got to tell you this, truthfully, it was actually really hard for me last night to fast. Normally it's not. I noticed because I'd been eating crap for a few days, I noticed that my cravings were back and I was trying to rationalize myself into having dinner. I was like, Ooh, I'm just going to have some pasta for dinner. Oh, just have this. It's okay. I'm still in vacation mode. I'll start again tomorrow. But I didn't. And I'm really proud of that. I knew that, no, I need to get through this little reset fast to help my body, you know, get back on track to help clean out some of the, all that extra sugar floating around. And it's still obviously going to be over this week that I'm going to be cleaning some of that out. And I know how to do that. And I'm going to get back on track. So I also want to point out here with these, this 20% freedom indulgent part. One of the things that I always take away from this is constant learning, right? Constant noticing. You know, I definitely know that I did not pack enough healthy snacks. I could have absolutely made some more healthy snacks to bring along that were easy to grab. I underestimated the, the grazing environment that I was going to be in as opposed to having the meals. It actually wasn't that easy for us to cook meals. So having some healthier snacks would have, and, and having them really easily available, I didn't have to cook them or prep them or cut anything, um, would have been a huge help to minimize some of the, some of the indulging that I definitely did. So just one example of the places where I'm still learning and I'm still, when I have these experiences of overindulging, right, I get to learn so much. And I'm actually really grateful for that. Instead of guilting myself and putting myself down and feeling like telling myself I'm a failure, I'm getting to learn something. And I'm getting to be a human. I'm getting to come here on the podcast and share raw, real truths with all of you. I mean, that to me is pretty cool. And the noticing and awareness. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm mostly over that hump with using food as an emotional crutch. And for me, my danger zone is still celebration is like connecting with family and celebration and that sort of vibe that we were definitely in this week. So I'm aware I still have more work to do there. Absolutely. There were more cravings than normal in that type of setting and the vacation mode on top of it. That's definitely one for me too. So noticing where I still have work to do and the awareness of while I was even in it, I was aware. I was aware I'm not using food here to emotionally escape. I know many people do, especially in family settings, right? They maybe are feeling miserable or socially awkward and are using sugar to get connection or get love or feel joy, right? I didn't need it for any of that. 
And not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just information if that's where you are, right? That that is a root cause and that is some of the pieces that still need healing. So for me, there's definitely still healing to do. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for these reminders to, to continue my path. So there you have it. I eat sugar. I probably eat more sugar than you think. And I'm constantly listening to my body and I'm noticing when is it too much? When do I feel my best? And practicing my freedom, practicing. It is a practice to build this trust and this connection with my body and with what I know I need and what is going to be most serving to me. And I do know that there are a lot of times, especially around food situations, like road trips, for example, or travel, where the stress and obsession over eating something bad or not being able to find a healthy option is far worse for me than just letting myself eat the wrap or eat the burger, right? Or, you know, just indulge in that, that granola bar that was the only thing that I had and I really needed something, you know, and just doing our best. We're all doing our best right? You are doing your best. And yes, there's always room for improvement. Yes, there's always things that we're wanting to shift and change. But I want all of you to just remember from this episode, remember that you get to create your own blueprint here. And that any type of relationship with food, with sugar is absolutely possible. Any type is possible. It just takes work. And most importantly, it takes a lot of deep inner work. And this is, as you know, if you've been listening to this podcast, my passion and exactly what I do with all of my clients is getting nitty gritty into the depths, into the ugly stuff, into the wounds so that we can actually build a healthy foundation of self and of relationship with our emotions and our body to then start practicing things like moderation, right? Or this, this sugar freedom or, or choosing to indulge, right? From a place of empowerment, not a place of wounding. This is a huge difference. And I just want all of you to know that it's possible. It's possible for you, just like it's possible for me and the hundreds of other women that I have worked with over the last seven years. The last thing I will say here, this is a really big disclaimer, right? That it has taken me over seven years to get to this place. And I'm not even there yet. I'm still learning. I'm still healing. I am still nowhere near perfect. I mess up. I fail. I overindulge and I get right back on track. And I use that as information to learn and to fuel my continued growth. I know the areas that I still have weaknesses. I know the areas that I still need to work on. And, I, and when I'm ready, I will work on them. And I am, for most of them, already working on them. And that is part of this journey. There's no rush. There's no end. This is a continual unfolding of our growth as human beings. And I, for one, am very grateful to be on that path and to be able to share here on the podcast what I'm learning with all of you. And I hope that you got something out of this episode. I hope that this was a, the reminder that you needed to be able to really find your own path with what sugar freedom means to you and to really, really be careful 
who you put on a pedestal. I talked about this a few weeks ago, right? I think a lot of a lot of people who follow me, even some of my clients tend to put me on a pedestal of like Danny has it all figured out. She's perfect. She never eats sugar. She never overindulges. And that's not true. I'm human. And I think that's so important for each and every one of you to understand. If you are following people who look like they've got it perfectly together, that is a red flag. None of us are perfect. And if anyone out there is pretending to be, then run the other way because there is something they're not telling you. And this creation of this unnatural, unrealistic benchmark that we're all trying to shoot for is BS. It's bullshit. I'm going to say it. It's bullshit. Right? This is the real life of being a human. It's messy. We're imperfect. We fail. We mess up. And that's okay. Can you love yourself through that? Can you learn from it? Can you start talking to yourself differently in those moments when you're not perfect? That is what I wish for all of you. And I hope that this episode inspires you to start doing that and to start really paying attention to your truth. Like, what is your truth? And are there areas where you're not being perfect in your life, maybe even beyond food, that you can give yourself a little bit of a break on? Right? Obviously, a fine line in terms of not just letting yourself off the hook and eating yourself to death, right? Into diabetes and cancer and obesity and, and all these things. But it's also okay to be struggling. It's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to notice that you are slowly making progress in the right direction. That's what matters. So thank you all for listening to this episode and for letting me share the raw, honest truth around my life and sugar. And I look forward to hearing from all of you. I would love to see messages. Feel free to shoot me an email, send me a message or a DM on Instagram or Facebook. Would love to hear what is your relationship with sugar look like and what do you want it to look like more importantly? So there you have it, everyone. Thank you again for tuning in. And I can't wait to see you next week on the next episode. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. If you're loving what we talked about today, please remember to subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with someone you love. And if you're ready to dive deeper into discovering your root causes and patterns that are keeping you hooked on sugar, be sure to check out our brand new free workshop series that will help you kick emotional eating for good. Find the link to download this free series and other amazing resources in the show notes below.